If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jessica Weaver. Thank you so much for having me on here. The Zen success that resonates with me big time. Oh, cool. Well, we'll have to dive into that. I'm always curious of what people's definition is of it, like what they think of when they hear it. So yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. So let me share a little bit about Jessica. This is actually my second time interviewing her. We had so much fun last time I interviewed her on You Inspired. So Jessica Weaver, CFP, CDFA, CFS, is a wealth advisor, CEO of the Women's Wealth Boutique, best-selling author, and author of the blog, Not Your Father's Advisor. She is the founder of Hashtag Pink Fix, a powerhouse community of women to grow their career, build wealth, and form lasting relationships. Her number one best-selling books include Confessions of a Money Queen, Strong Woman, Stronger Assets, and Time to Refine, A Strong Woman's Guide to Retiring on Her Own Terms. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you so much for having me back again. I know we had so much fun. I was like surprised. I heard from your publicist and I was like, oh, it'd be great to reconnect and share about money and success because I feel like you said, the title of this podcast now, Zen Success, feels like a little bit of your heart and mission for women. What do you think? Yes, to me, when I hear it first is, I don't know why we've romanticized the hustle and having to work nonstop to reach success. And usually it isn't even the version of success that we want deep down in our heart. It's just what we've been told that we want. So we're working overtime. We're in overdrive, hitting, um, you know, burnout, exhaustion time and time again to get to this version of success that doesn't really resonate with us. So Zen success is kind of flipping that in. Well, is there a more flowing way I can get there? Not necessarily an easier way, but that isn't so filled with resistance and drama and doesn't really fit right with that, who we are in our energy. And then also aligning it with the right version of success for each and every one of us, which can be so different. And I see it working with women and their money everyone's version of wealth is different. I feel like wealth and success is very similar. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love that. And do you feel like what you were saying, how success can be achieved through flow? Do you feel like you're in your flow and how did you get there? If you are, if you feel like you're living your best version of success? Yes. I was just in a very abundant flow and I love those periods of times, you know, when the money is just coming in, the opportunities. And to me, at the end of the day, I did a really good job at work where I'm proud of what I delivered to my clients. I'm excited about our next meeting and what's coming down the pipeline. And it just, you know, all these good things are happening to you. And then it's almost too good to be true, right? And we have this little critter part in our brain. I'm sure it happens to you. Sometimes people call it. Yes. And or Gay Hendricks talks about in The Big Leap, which I love his book, The Upper Barrier Syndrome, right? You hit your resistance band. You've you've had so much success that you're going to short circuit yourself. It's almost like, can I trust this? Is this actually really good? When's the shoe going to drop? I see. The bad thing that's going to happen. 
And I catch our advisors at the Women's Wealth Boutique, right, helping them go through this so that we can also help our clients get through it and recognize when we're about to sabotage that amount of success. <laughs> or wow, that's so fascinating that you recognize that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's true because it happened to me last week. I'm really excited. We're about to hire somebody. And then this weekend, I woke up in the middle of the night. It's funny, we're talking today. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. This oh. is too scary. <laughs> and it was it's like growing your team, growing yes. your, yeah. By subconscious, I think this happens with women all the time. They get really excited about an idea. And then all of a sudden they go, well, can I afford this? Well, this is, it's going to distract me. Is this really what I should, I should be focusing on something else. And you start to question it over and over again. So how can we identify those patterns when we're about to hit that next leap of growth instead of, right, we're about to hit that level and then we almost talk ourselves out of it or our behaviors talk us out of it and we go back to that current level of wealth we're at. Where there's How a can- certain level of comfort or re- we're reliving patterns from our parents or whatever it might be. Yes, exactly. Yes, I think we get, what, 70,000 thoughts a day and I think 90% are repetitive thoughts from our past So we're thinking in the past all day long. And if we're thinking in the past, that means we're acting based on our past actions. So how can we break that pattern that molds? Um, And there's a lot of growth for women. And it's exciting to see women wanting to invest in themselves and to grow on the personal level. And then that's going to ripple over into their careers or their businesses and then into their money as well. And that's we love to come in. (laughs) Yeah. And so how does that work as, so they're investing in themselves, these women, and then is it giving them more confidence? Are they letting go of the past? Like how can that create more wealth for them? Oh, of course. I like to look at it as internal wealth and external wealth. Okay. So the financial industry, I've been an advisor for 13 years. I grew up in the industry. My father has been an advisor for 40 years. And I've seen how the financial industry, it does really help people. It does. But part of the problem is it only focuses on the external side, right? Invest in stocks and bonds or annuities, 401ks, retirement accounts, insurance, and you'll be fine. But there's still this internal dialogue of, let's say, women saying that, well, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy of a million dollars. I trust the money. I've never, I don't even know about money. I don't know how the external world even works. So they question it. So I like to start on the internal side of looking at, well, have you had past money traumas in your life? A defining moment, whether good or bad, that has dictated how you perceived money up until now. Maybe you saw your parents fighting over money. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you went through a horrible divorce and he hid everything from you and you're in a lot worse financial shape than you thought. Or maybe I've even had women called up whether they never paid taxes in the past five years or money was stolen and they had no idea. There's a lot of financial abuse. It's crazy. So now that's going to play out unless we can find a way to heal from it, forgive ourselves. And I always let the women know it's not your fault that this happened, right? You didn't know any different or any better. The fault is right, the system, the edu- the lack of education, the lack of educational resources for women. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're helping them let go of maybe the guilt or the shame that somehow it was them, like they were targeted, they should have known or something like that. Yes. There's so much guilt and shame around money, embarrassment, feeling judged. So having a safe place where they can heal, forgive themselves and rewrite that narrative in their mind too, as well. It's like we hear money mantras all the time, right? They do work, but you can't just start saying a mantra and think it's going to come true. You need to heal the part that's conflicting against that mantra, mm, right? Because they might be saying it, but not really believing it or feeling it. Yes. Yeah. And then then there's that resistance inside of themselves. Let's say the mantra, popular one, I'm a money magnet, right? 
But if you <laughs> in the past have always felt been in debt, well, it's hard to just take on that mantra and go with it because your own mind is telling you you're not a money mantra. You're always in debt. You're always in debt. This is yeah. silly, this is stupid. So we want to heal ourselves and get our internal wealth and worth in alignment with where we want our external world to be. To me, it's a mirror. Whatever we feel on the inside is how our external environment is going to be. So if I feel scarcity on the inside, whether it's with money or time, that's how the external world is going to be to me. We want you to feel abundant and worthy and worthy even just of education of the money, of a good relationship. And then the external, we can match up with the right investments, stocks, bonds, all of those kind of things too. Mm-hmm. get into it. Yeah. So. That are in an alignment with this new consciousness that you're helping people have. That's so yeah, incredible. A wealthy consciousness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I, I do say that mantra whenever I get a new client or get money. <laughs> my account. I say, I'm a money magnet, even pennies. I found two pennies on the ground yesterday. And I was like, Oh my God, two, there's two here. And so I said that I'm a money magnet. Um, but you know, you're right. It's like, I don't, I don't think about, do I really believe that, you know, I I'm just like saying it out of habit. Cause I get excited. Um, like I get excited about the little things because I feel like that can bring more of the big things. What do you think about that? Getting excited about the little things. I agree a thousand percent. I feel there are constantly miracles happening in our day-to-day lives. And we just kind of brush right past them, almost expecting it instead of expressing that gratitude and celebrating it. And and I always, whatever form of spirituality you are, mine is Mm -hmm. God. It could be the universe, source, your higher self. But I think of, how much we, when we're grateful for something or celebrate it, how much that giver wants to give more. Even when I give to my children, if I give my daughter a dress, she's very fickle about clothing, let me tell you. So if I give her a dress, I have no idea if she's going to like it or not. And when you, have to, you have to let go. I have a daughter too, believe me. They ha- She has her own mind, her own style. You know, <laughs> I, I feel exactly. you, sister. <laughs> exactly. So when she complains about the dress, do I really want to go buy for more clothes? But when I see her wearing it every single day, I'll want to give her more. And it's right. very similar. The more that we do celebrate those little things. And it's also building that belief that you are a money magnet. So even if it's pennies, money are just money's just falling into my world. I can find it on the street. I can find it in my bank account. I can find it anywhere. It's reaffirming those beliefs that is only going to make them stronger and stronger. And those good little reminders of what, where is my mindset today as well? So I agree with you 1000%. Celebrate those little pieces, those little milestones. There's never one that's too small to celebrate in my book. Yeah. Especially with your daughter wearing the dress you bought you. She, you, you know, you bought her. <laughs> Isn't it true too? And then there's that bonding moment. So that's not just right. She's excited about the dress. There's that emotional connection, that heart connection. You want to do more things together. And I always say about my daughter, Andy, you just live in the path of most resistance. Oh my gosh. Like let's, and just even play manifest. I'm like, what song do you want to hear on the radio? And we'll be driving along. And then it comes on the radio. I'm like, you're an amazing manifester. Look, you said this song and it's playing now. How crazy. And I play these little games with her so she can see you're, there's so much power behind your words and your thoughts, right? If we really are a magnet, that positive mindset, which those little celebrations just keeps building is going to draw more. That frequency is so, so addictive and people just keep coming to you for it too. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I, I love that, that you're, you're reminding her that she's a powerful manifester. That's so powerful. And then, um, so what are some other ways we can raise our kids to be financially responsible and independent as they get older? I mean, I don't know what age that we can expect to have them be more financially responsible. Like, I know I asked a lot of questions, but what, 
do you think is a good age to start teaching the kids about finances and all of that? What can I ask? What age are your kids? Oh yeah. You can ask. Uh, I have an eight-year-old daughter and a 11-year-old son. Okay. So they kind of in that prime spot right now. When you think back, we get all of our impressions of the world between the ages of three and seven, which is a very young age, very short time window. And after that, Anything that comes into our world is going to reaffirm those opinions or we're going to reject them, put them back out to the conscious mind to kind of reanalyze, get more research, more information going on for it. And it's tough for parents now because money's so virtual. When you think of, right, yes. this is what money is. It's on my phone. It's, it's so true. Account, the bank accounts, the statements, right, checks. We just got two yeah. checks today. How rare is that? Everything's online. No, it's so true. And my daughter was saying that too. She's like, I know I have money in my bank account, but I want to feel it. I, I want to have the the money. Like, can you get me some cash so that I can put that in my wallet? So yeah, you're right. There is something powerful about actually feeling the money. In seeing the transactions, right? The babysitter comes and we pay them via Venmo or PayPal. <laughs> right. They don't see that exchange yeah. of what that entails. Or even at church, right? You can don't we donate online. Right. We still make it a point to give the kids some cash so they can see ways that we are giving back to the community and donating. Yeah, so, because it's like that they can maybe feel if you're letting the kids donate. Maybe they can feel that energetic exchange and feel good about it. Yes. Yeah. And they're excited. They get to do something. It's then they, when they get paid, they go, maybe I'll bring some of this money to church. So it gets them involved. And I think that's the biggest piece. One, keep it positive. We don't want kids to be scared of money or that they're going to blow the mm -hmm. money. Keep it positive. Meet them where they're at. So just start engaging them with questions. I love driving around saying, how much do you think that house is worth? How much oh, do you think to fill up my tank? I and love to get it. Because when they're at three, they're like, I don't know, $10 for that house. <laughs> and then when they're five, $200 for that house. Yeah, because like 200 or 500 is a lot. Yeah. Said, yeah, that's crazy. That's unfathomable for them. And do a reward system. You can do chores, ways that they mm. feel like they're earning something and have them contribute some money to the household, to a charity or nonprofit and get them engaged with which one, have them help decide, pick it out, and then have a reserve for future savings. It could be the piggy bank or our bank account as they get older and stuff as well. I guess being a financial advisor, everybody gave us piggy banks. So both of my kids have like four or five different piggy banks. <laughs> <laughs> and we had that was the up, gift of choice, huh? Yeah. We had them this summer fill up their coins. And I think we had over a thousand dollars of coins that we then deposited and then having that conversation well, where that money go. Well, yeah. it went into an investment account and we bought parts of companies or stock, right? Shares within a company. And as they get older, you can even ask, do they wear Under Armour a lot? Do they want to invest in that? Do they love Coca-Cola? Do they want to invest in that? Do they like a yeah. certain video game where you can buy shares in that company? And now, now you kind of pique their interest and merge those two worlds together. Oh, that's so fun. I love what that. they're interested in and then where their money can be aligned with. And then they get older and they get to they get to tell me. I have these shares of stock from when I was 10 years old that my parents helped me buy and track. And now we can do something with it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that because my kids have their own business because they wanted to work, but I was like, oh, they're too, you're too young. You can't get a job. So you have to do your own business. <laughs> so, so do they, they do? do dog walking. Yeah. Dog sitting. Incredible. Yeah. But you know what I haven't done? I love those tips is we have invested their money, but we haven't got them involved. Like you said, like, okay, what do you, what are the clothing brands that you liked? And what we have invested 
for them, like different stocks and things that we thought would be financially beneficial, but we didn't think, you know, about that emotional connection. So I love that. I want to take that next step. And then the other thing I'm not doing is having them give a percentage back. So that was really cool how you brought that up. And, and then can that help us as adults, like giving back, can that help us become more wealthy? I mean, what's your philosophy behind giving back? Yes. What is it? God loves a generous giver, I think is one of the the quotes in the Bible. Um, To me, yes. Whether you believe in karma or law of attraction, uh, to me, money is an energy and it should be circulating in and through our lives. And Mm. as you give out, you're giving out an energy and that wave is just going to come back to you. It keeps money flowing freely. You're not too attached to it. And no matter what, that money is going to come back to you, usually tenfold, a hundredfold in some way. And it, you, one, you feel good. So you raise your frequency. You're helping other people as well. There's tax benefits to it as well. As you start to grow your portfolios, you can do these different trust funds that are able to give to charity while giving you tax benefits while still growing within investments as well. So there's so many different ways we can tie it into your plan, depending on where you are at Mm -hmm. and how you see it going in the future. And then I I work with a lot of single women and a lot of times their beneficiaries are a nonprofit, a charity, a foundation that's really close to their heart. And can you imagine being that charity getting 500,000, a million, multiple millions of dollars in the door, that impact, that legacy is huge. So it's also not just that energetic exchange, but planting that seed. And that's just going to keep growing and building and being a very important value in their portfolio as they grow up too. Yeah. And it's like their legacy. That's, that's incredible. Wow. I love that. I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier about money trauma. I find that fascinating. And I was just thinking about my own life and how I grew up. My father was, he was a saver, had coupons and I'd always be embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, I have to watch him get the coupons out. And then my mom was like the opposite, like a spender. So I had this yin yang and and maybe that happens a lot with couples or, you know, adults, how they grew up, that there's different money. I don't know, stereotypes or um, the way they see money. So, but for my dad, there was like, it was almost like never enough. Although he had a lot in the bank account, he acted in scarcity. So I find that interesting. Yes. It's very hard to find within a couple, two people that have exact same money types Mm. of personalities because we all grow up in a different environment. And usually we take in how we've grown up, what the parents are. So if your parents are spenders, you're going to grow up as a spender, or sometimes you rebel against it and you become a saver. Mm-hmm. All these different influences on us when it comes to our money. And I'm very similar. My mom and dad are polar opposites when it comes to wealth. So for a long time, I felt very erratic or bipolar when it comes to <laughs> money. I would, I like to spend. And then I was, I need to, can't spend anything. I need to save everything. I'm just <laughs> world harvesting for winter. Yeah. And I will harvest enough and I'm going to go and spend it. And it happens to a lot of people. You get, you have that internal conflict back and forth. I remember going shopping with my mom and we'd come home and she would say, leave the shopping bags in the trunk. Oh my God. Our moms are like the same people. Are we sisters? (laughs) Exactly. And how excited were you too, Carissa, when you would go shopping and you're thinking all the different places you're going to wear your new clothes and you couldn't wait to put them in your closet. And then you come home and you're told, they go, wait, was that a bad thing to do with? Yeah, um, there's like a little bit of shame that uh, we had to hide it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I remember growing up thinking, I'm I'm always going to earn my own income, so I never have to apologize for any of my purchases. That was the one thing that held very firm in my mind going mm-hmm. through that myself. Yeah, so that really served you in a way because you not that you rebelled against it, but you saw that contrast and you wanted to have freedom against that. I did. 
Exactly. I wanted to have freedom. I didn't want to have to justify or prove why I needed a certain thing. And I'm also grateful because I feel like I can relate to whether you're a saver or a spender. I see both sides just because that's how my parents were. And I I do both sides depending on where I am in, in my mindset, I guess we can say. And I've created money systems that work whether you are a spender or a saver. And it having healthy conversations with your partner if you are on opposite sides as well, because that can cause a lot of conflict within a relationship or a marriage. Even then, as we were talking before, how do you want to teach your kids about money? Well, if you're coming from two very different places, you might be fighting in front of the kids or you're having very different values instilled on your kids. And that's going to cause issues down the road too. So Understanding both sides, to me, that starting point, you you have to know why is a person a certain way when it comes to money, they probably had a trauma in their life, or that's just how they grew up. So that's all they know. And anything outside of what they know to them is wrong. How can we break through that and just find common ground so that we can work together and find systems that will work no matter you're an avoider, <laughs> you're a spender. Uh, what else do we usually say? You're a saver, very frugal, um, or you're just delusional and everything. We have unrealistic expectations. We see that happening as well, too, with it. So understanding what's your makeup and why are you that way with mm-hmm. money. So which way do you feel like you fall since growing up? Uh, spender. A spender. <laughs> True confessions. <laughs> and there's usually, I'm here, there's usually one place where we really spend the money. It could be like, I have one advisor and it was business coaches. She would spend so much money on business coaches, but everything <laughs> else, she would sleep on people's couches when she would travel. But <laughs> the coaches, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, yeah, that's like, I'm like your friend. It's uh, personal <laughs> development. I mean, not just coaches, but, you know, like retreats or spiritual events and things like that. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's important to recognize that and have some awareness around it so that I can be empowered and make choices. Okay. Do I really need this and, and take a step back and not, because it's not that I need another course. I just get like the shiny object syndrome. And I just, it just feels like, oh yeah, I need that now. So and they're um, everywhere. You can't go online and not yeah, that's get true. dated with mm-hmm. the content and the marketing, the videos and the posts. And the content is so good. It's hitting and resonating with so many mm-hmm. people. It can be very hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was just curious, you were talking about uh, relationships. It's important to have money conversations. So how, how would you go about this in a healthy way where you're not judging the partner? Because maybe you came together for that reason to heal that money trauma. Oh, that's a really good point. Maybe you're each other's answers or solutions (laughs) together. Like maybe you can learn there's something like be open to the way the other person is being because um, that that could be a different perspective that could help you give insight. Yes. And there's pros and cons to all the money types, right? We have the extremes, but we could all use to benefit from all the different parts of it, you know, people who are big savers, well, you're saving for the future, but you also need to enjoy today, right? So you can take the better qualities from each other. And I think, as you said, like, what are the expectations? You come together, what are the expectations? Knowing neither one of you are right or wrong. It's just the way that you are. Understanding why they got to that place. And instead of blaming each other, why don't we acknowledge what did we do right this week? What can we celebrate mm. this week? And owning up to what do I need to do better? Okay, I had a shopping spree at TJ Maxx and I probably didn't need to do that. I will do that better. Um, so some accountability there and coming together for a plan, identifying what are the overarching goals 
And I also see couples where one is very near-term focused and one is long-term focused. Mm -hmm. I remember one couple and he's so worried about retirement and she's just stuck on their student loans today. And she's like, I don't even know why you're talking about retirement. We have all of it that we need to deal with. He goes, but we, yes, we need to pay those off, but retirement's still coming. It might be in 20 years, but it's still, it's not going to get any farther away. It's coming for us. So then getting on a level page of what are our goals? What's the time frame? What's the realistic time frame? Mm -hmm. And be more united and building it together instead of feeling like you're working against one another. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that being said, I do a lot of divorce work. Sometimes there are a lot of financial red flags that cannot just be talked through. Got and, it. And, and sometimes you do you find those for women? Yes. I'm just thinking recently a lot of gambling. Oh, wow. Gambler and so and like the wife was maybe suspicious and then you discovered it in their finances. Yes. Right. Something's not adding up. We make this on paper. These are our bills. Where's the rest mm -hmm. of it going? Right. A tax return, cash flow statements, everything like that will do wonders. Doing that financial audit, auditing for it. Uh, financial abuse, if they're hiding things, not not filing their, their tax returns. So sometimes there are red flags, ladies, that you should not just move past that. Yeah, um, that you can't necessarily work through. And you don't want them to put you in a worse place financially and bring you down either. So that's why I love getting women engaged with their money and the educational side of it, because there's so many things that we can prevent from happening. A lot of harm, a lot of, you know, bankrupting women, destroying their finances today. And instead, let's make positive steps moving forward to the future. Yeah, yeah. Not to bring the, not to bring the energy down, but I felt <laughs> we brought that, that energy. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're just being real. It's like, why not? It's because it is positive in the long run because you're bringing awareness to it. And that's what it's all about. It's, um, and that's how we can heal our lives is to really bring it out in the open because maybe some women might be embarrassed that their husband is gambling most of their money away or whatever. But, but I think also they, maybe some women might stay longer than they should, or that is like where it will totally ruin them because they think, oh, well, maybe they can get help. I know there's gamblers anonymous or whatever it might be. Um, so, so what do you think about that? Like, do you feel like if maybe the other person is getting help, they could try and heal that money relationship? Yes. And I've seen, you know, you can try multiple times. Mm -hmm. You have to think about one, if you have kids, what are the kids experiencing mm -hmm. in dealing with, even if you're not saying it out loud in front of them, they're seeing it, they feel the energy in the house. And are you taking from their financial future as well? If you are a woman in that kind of situation, one, you need to get your own financial independence, regardless of what your spouse is doing get have a plan b get some income flowing in build up some of your own savings as much as you can get educated on what your options are legally from an attorney a family law attorney or also from an advisor can you afford to have two households can you be able to make that switch and go through a divorce as well i think just educating yourself on the options have a plan B in case it doesn't work out and give yourself a time frame of right? if it, I will stick with it for however many months, years, or through this therapy program and see. But to me, a lot of accountability comes into place. Hmm. Are they going to be accountable to what they've done to the relationship or to the finances or not? And if they aren't willing to take that accountability, as you know, especially with the personal growth and the courses, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Yeah. If they're just doing it to do it and get it over with, and they're not vested or committed to it, you know what the answer is. As hard as it can be to, to say out loud or to swallow, mm -hmm. 
I talk with women. It could be years before the actual divorce starts. Yeah. Or there's any progress. I met with somebody this spring. They hired us to do the divorce work and I check in with her every few weeks and there's been no progress. It, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Some mm-hmm. for Yeah. Interesting. And is that what you mean as women can become the queen of their money? I think every woman should feel like a money queen. Wait, with yes. a crown, put on high. It says it right in the Bible. God always crowns us for it. And I know I, I feel like I was a self-declared money queen with confessions of a money queen. Uh-huh. Or, but yes, I want women to view their money as an empire instead of a kingdom. We called it a queendom, right? To have okay. the feminine approach to it. But one's something they're proud of something that's building a legacy, it's building equity, it's earning its own money so that you're not constantly trading hours at your desk job or in your business to earn money, something that's building and growing for them as well. And it leads to that independence that we talked about before, the freedom that they can be in a relationship, not for the money, but because that's who they want to be with, that they can splurge on their kids when they want to splurge on their kids. So that money queen that queens um it's just how we started that version of success is different for every woman but we want to build it out how it feels right for you and what does that look like I think women were scared to think really big we're scared of you know millions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. we'll only make some up a women yeah I, I I think some women yeah definitely yes so how can we get excited about money, engage with it and build out this money-making empire machine queendom for ourselves and to have that freedom and independence along the way too. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what you touched on earlier about how if we make large sums of money as women, I think a lot of us have really big hearts and can take even more money and give back and help humanity or help maybe a women's shelter, help other women rise up. You know, there can be such an exponential effect if we all become money queens. We all rise up together. Yes. I call it the feminine ecosystem or economy. Oh, the ecosystem. I love it. We're so good at referring people to each mm-hmm. other and connecting and networking with women. I mean, we have built out our relationships And as we keep raising, it's only going to support more and more women and our families and the next generation on and on. And we're really closing in on that, the educational gap when it comes to women and money. And that's going to help the pay gap. It's going to help the millionaire gap that we just talked about. It's going to put more money in our world and women get back so much. We get back four times more than men. So that's just going to. Oh, you even have the statistic. It's even going to impact our communities, our schools, right? Our, the foundations and nonprofits that the charities that we love, it's just going to raise everybody up together. Mm, That's beautiful. So what if people are struggling right now? I I feel like you have such a big heart. I, I feel like you really help your clients in so many incredible ways. You almost seem like a money therapist. Do you ever think of yourself as like a money therapist? I've been called that in clients like, you're like a therapy therapist. I'm like, I'm not a licensed therapist. It can be, the work can be very therapeutic, I say. The work can be therapeutic, <laughs> yeah. Therapeutic. I'm not a therapist, but um, it does. It hits on a lot of emotional pieces. Money is very emotional. Our decisions with money is emotional. Our industry tries to tell you to not make any emotional decisions with your money, but to me, that's kind of impossible. <laughs> no matter We're what. Emotional beings. Yeah. Figured, yes. Every decision is made. I mean, maybe not brushing our teeth, those automatic things, but everything is based on emotions for it. So yes, we work with women. It doesn't matter what age or stage they're in. Our goal is to partner with them to build wealth together to create wealth together. And we have advisors all over the nation at the Women's Wealth Boutique, whether you are going through a divorce, we have our divorce source with Donna Cates or a woman business owner, or you're a millennial or you're a baby boomer hitting retirement. We have 
very specialized advisors at our firm. Just so excited to work with anyone all over the States. Mm, That's wonderful. And so is that the main thing that you're looking for now is to grow your clients because of the specialized offer that you provide? Yes, we're looking to one, build out and help more and more women, couples, families with their finances, and also other female advisors if they're interested in getting involved in our world. We're just building out this economy, ecosystem, community around the women with wealth, whether you're in the financial industry or you just want to become clients, investors, more engaged with their money. So we have a lot of financial literacy with our books. We have a magazine, we have our podcast, Women Behind the Millions, you can get involved with or working with us one-on-one within our community as clients. And we're your partner in your wealth building journey. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. I have some friends and clients that, uh, you know, as a healer that are wealth advisors. So I want to connect you, you all. Oh, Um, I'd love to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. And uh, I'm sure you'll really connect with them. So, so yeah, back to my question, if people are struggling right, right now, is, is there any advice that you can give them? I mean, maybe the first take a deep breath, maybe, I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Take a deep breath. No, it's not your fault. No, it's not your fault. That's great. You're not alone either. And I highly recommend reaching out to an expert, whether it's a coach, an advisor, mentor. But yeah, work with an advisor who can see it from a different perspective. And I feel like when we're in those struggle times, we're in that survival mode and we're kind of tunnel vision, right? We're not seeing all the options out there. We don't even know we have options. We really feel kind of trapped day to day. I just got to do this to get by. And we don't want you living that way at all. We want you to be excited and happy and loving the work that you're doing and feeling like you have this huge purpose in your life. So that's what I say. Take a deep breath. As you said, don't be scared. Reach out. We are not there to judge. We're there to just hold space for you and to be there and meet you exactly where you're at. Let them know where you're at. Be vulnerable. A lot of the women cry in my office and I cry, right? It's emotional. And that means it's so healing. It's exactly. It's healing. You probably have your clients cry. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's time too. And yeah, reach out. Don't be scared. Reach out. If I can give you that encouragement. Is another, that's wonderful. Yes. Great advice. And um, if they are to reach out to you, is it a complimentary consultation or what are, yes. what is your process to begin working with you? Is there a questionnaire or something? Yeah. So they go to womenswealthboutique.com. They can see, they can answer just a, like, I think it's three or four quick questions and they can select an advisor or have us select for them based on what they're going through, the information they provide. And we'll get them on my calendar or one of our advisors' calendars probably within the week for, yes, a complimentary call, 20 minutes or so, just so we can connect, see what's going on. And if it's not us, we have a huge network of people, whether you're in debt, you're looking to get divorced, whatever it is, we can connect you with the right people regardless. So jump jump on the website, select an advisor, or if you want us to pick for you and just have a conversation, that's all it is a conversation. There's no requirements. There's no, nothing that we have to do afterwards. If you're not ready yet, it's completely on your terms. Yeah. Because you have such a, a big mission in helping women. I I can feel your non-attachment, you know, it's like, you're, you're in the flow of the business that comes to you is meant to come to you. It's, um, it's a wonderful feeling, the energy that you have. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We don't want to work with people. We want you to know you, what your options are. We want yeah. you to get the education. And then as you know, it's not when the time isn't right. We, you don't force it. It's got to be when they are ready and they're committed because I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to take on all of your goals on personally, and we need to be there together. 
to make it work. So yes, I always believe the right people are going to find us at the right time. You have to trust that. Right. That's wonderful. And then another question I had about your process and people working with you is, do you provide, say people are just unorganized and they need help, like budgeting or, um, like organizing their assets and things. Do you have a system in place like software or do you also help with organization? Yes. That's usually where we start. We always lead with planning first and then we'll get to the investments or the insurance through that process, but that's towards the end of it. But first, yes, we want to know what's going on with your assets, your cash flow, your income, your expenses, your debts, right? What's that asset map look like? Everything from your salary or your business to your retirement accounts. And let's get a plan in place. Then we'll work together to implement it, however that looks. Or if you're a do-it-yourself investor, you can take that and do it yourself as well. Oh, I see. Okay. So you can work as a consultant and then they can take that information and invest themselves. Oh, that's wonderful. You give that option because a lot of financial advisors don't do that. You're right. They do not. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh no. They miss a lot of the planning side. And I've worked with clients and they had an advisor. We started doing the plans again. They go, I was missing this all along. I was just kind of throwing money at this investment. And then towards the end, usually they'll want to work with us full-time as we're managing their assets down the road. But a lot of advisors are right. And they say it's not cost-effective to do it, but to me, I don't think you can pick an investment without first knowing what the plan is. And that plan going to play out? How much risk do we have to take on or not? What's the time frame? What's the savings? What's the projections? And then we come back into a very intentional investment and insurance to help protect the risk. Oh yeah. I see. So will you share, you have your books behind you. I I always love um, your branding, the pink. It's okay. so powerful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about your books. So your latest book is Strong Women, Stronger Assets. Is that correct? That was my first book. I oh, was that was your first book. Oh my gosh. My okay. Baby girl on that book. Yes, that was my first book. And that's really women going through a transition in their life. Okay. I interviewed about 50 different women, whether it's divorce, becoming a widow, retirement, career change, and what helped them get through that? What are the money systems? What should they be doing to grow, protect their money during those trial times of their lives Mm -hmm. as well? Time to Refine came next, and this book is all about retirement, but we called it refinement because it doesn't really feel like women retire and then that's it. Yeah, I love that reframing. A second career or they'll start a business or they'll do some a lot of volunteering. I just met with a new doctor who signed up as a client and she goes, I want to retire at, you know, early 60s because I want to do Doctors Without Borders. And we're only get paid for it, but that I want to do when I'm not too old where I can be healthy and enjoy it. So that's refinement. And then Confessions of a Money Queen was the last one that we kind of went into today. But this starts with the internal worth and restructuring your mindset, your beliefs, your heart around money. And then that moves into the practical pieces like money systems. What do I do with the money? Those money maps that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And that one's my favorite one. It's got money meditations in it. And has- oh, my gosh. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So if you go to jessicaweaver.com, you can get the free audiobook, and then you'll get those meditations as it's being read to you throughout it too. Oh, that's so generous. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay, cool. And then I also wanted to learn about your community pink fix. So how, how can joining a community or your community help us with being successful in our lives? We wanted to, the traditional advisor relationship, right, is one-to-one, right? You work with the advisor and it's you, the client. You really don't know anybody else in their world. We wanted to build out when we have our Women's Wealth Boutique with all of our advisors and we meet regularly, monthly, weekly for different things. Then we have our clients, we have our strategic partners. So we wanted to build kind of this 
incubator <laughs> ecosystem of women where you're coming to our events. We have the blog, the podcast, you're on those different platforms as well. We're now publishing other females books. As oh my get- gosh, that's yeah. incredible. Yes, we're so excited. Yeah, we have our fifth one we're publishing. It'll be February. We're doing a collaboration book with 15 of the innovative women in the industry for it. Um, so in our community, there's so many different ways to work with us. And it's a rare opportunity where you get all of these women's expertise when it comes to money, but you also can work one-on-one with us as well, whether it's through a plan, through a course, or through becoming a full-time client, that partnership as well. So it's all about education to me. That's our biggest motto is education first and getting the resources out there to women in a way that they can take it on their own terms, right? They can read a book in their bathtub or cuddled up in front of a fireplace, when they want to, they don't feel like they have to put themselves out there in order to get that resource available to them. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. It's power. The power of community is powerful. I agree. I agree. It's so much, we can do so much more impact together. That's what I say mm. to all our ladies all the time. <laughs> I'm probably sick of me here. <laughs> but it's true. We have so many more opportunities together, so much impact. It's it's been amazing what opening up the Women's Wealth Boutique has done for us. Mm, wonderful. So what's next for you? Oh, what is next for me? <laughs> getting through this I know next- you're in the flow of life. <laughs> yeah, we're in the flow of life, getting this next hire. Uh, we're looking to bring on three to four advisors a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Congrats. Yes, we have... I have a pink map of the United States. So we want to hit a pin in every state. Every time we get an advisor in a new state, we pin it. Um, So just keep building out our platform and getting the resources out there, uh, more education, more events, and building out my own team to support it all too, I would say. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Well, it's been so great reconnecting with you and I'll put your website and how to connect with your community and buy your books in the show notes. So thanks for being on the Zen success show with me today. Thank you so much for having me on the Zen success. I love the name. Great title. Thank you so much for sharing your space with me. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.